0: I'm back, folks. If those of you who don't know, I'm just joining the podcast for the first time. (laughs) I went on a trip to Korea. And for those of you who don't know my face, I am a Korean adoptee, and I had never been back to Korea. So this was quite the trip, and it all unfolded. Uh, There are some previous episodes that you'll hear about the pre-trip stuff, and Josh wanted to catch me while I was fresh to just kind of share some thoughts about that in the way that we do. Yeah, I mean, I thought it could catch you while you're kind of fresh, at least, you know? By kind of fresh, it's like before the jet lag wears off fully, so they will be...
1: <laughs> yeah, like, it's like Brian like slept till noon today, so that's jet lag. That's <laughs> jet lag. <Let's laughs> launch out
0: launch out onto the loop today as we uh, do a forensic post-Korea trip discussion today on Curiosity Continuum. And this is jet lag because I forgot to cue the music, so we'll just edit this in later. And you'll hear it about here, folks. everybody, this is Brian. And this is Josh. Welcome to the podcast for Curiosity Continuing. Curiosity Continuum is an industry-innovating,
1: non-traditional company passionate about growing wisdom in the next generation.
0: We are the essential bridge between the analog and digital worlds by building collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century.
1: We combine and mix of essential elements needed need to empower people to succeed in new ways, not possible outside of
0: a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of
1: fellow curious people.
0: Follow us on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and want to dive deeper, visit us at curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in, and let's start the conversation.
1: All right. So we had this idea, or I did, and we started it with the episodes before you left. Kind of episode when you were leaving, and now you're back. And to other people, it might just seem like, oh, you're back. Boom. like. But it is a few weeks, because I did space them out a little bit. So I just really wanted to kind of like delve in a little bit and talk about like like your first impressions that you got there, how the
0: experience was, that kind of thing. I'll, I'll start off by saying this. This trip was life-changing for me. And if you've listened to me long enough, I don't use like big swelling words. I try to avoid the word amazing because it's been so overused. You know, this really was life-changing for me. Um, that's the the tag over all of it, right? When I arrived in, in Incheon Airport, which is about an hour and a half from Seoul, depending on the time of day, right? It's this island kind of off to the west. And got there, and I was actually kind of the weirdo in the bunch because the people arriving on Sunday, some arrived Saturday a little earlier, I was early in my flight. We had some massive tailwinds. I was an hour and a half early. So I got a chance to kind of seize Seoul rush hour a little bit. I literally walked into the room, as the guy was saying, welcome to the gathering. (laughs) A lot of of the other Americans from my corridor of the world were late because they had delayed flights through San Francisco. And I actually went through Minneapolis, which was uh, poetic for me just because that's where I grew up. I grew up in central Minnesota. That's where I met Josh. And that's where a lot of Korean adoptees landed, especially during the 80s and 70s and stuff. Hearing the opening comments and then having dinner with folks, here was what was an eye-opening thing when you are kind of the only person of your configuration <laughs> let's put it that way right like just like a small town in minnesota like there wasn't a lot right. of like people look like me walking around and i get into a room with people from you know michigan from virginia from minnesota from california from germany from france from luxembourg right from australia and they're korean All of a sudden it's like, oh wait a minute. I am not alone in my journey of this of this, you know, who I am. Right. That's the first time I ever felt that in my life. So it's like Winnie the Pooh and uh, Tigger goes and looks for his family. (laughs) You know, it's like (laughs) kind of like that. That was something that it was like, wait a minute. I am not by myself. The way I grew up, I was an only child and I was the youngest I'm sorry my parents were the youngest siblings in their sibling group so I was in this weird spot so there's a lot of solitude and solitary experiences I had growing up just because of where I grew up all that kind of stuff now to see people spread out over the world literally all over the world talking and sharing it's like oh my gosh what a revelation more than just meeting people like hey yeah you're Korean too or whatever Life-changing because when you start to hear stories, there's the program that they had. There's the program that happened after the program, which is called going out and having some soju with some folks. Right. You know. Now, I thought, hey, you know, I'll go out and have uh, a couple of drinks and get to know people, which I did, and I appreciated. But I'll tell you what, the European Koreans and they go hard, man. I tell you what. Like, right, I especially I like, the French ones, right? I'm telling you what, <laughs> man. Uh, you know who you are. I won't out you on this podcast. <laughs> but, there's some Scandinavian Koreans out there that just could, they can do it, man. There was also only a five hour time difference for them. For me, it was a 15 hour time difference. Ooh. Yeah. A lot of the Americans actually didn't go out as often just because I think we're all tired and shagged out from right. such a weird time difference. It's a crazy. Yeah. All that to say, I want to just slow down the things I'm saying. Cause you can tell there's just a lot that I'm trying to kind of process in my life. Here's another thing that I, I realized. Um, funny as it sounds I was in the majority for the first time in my life and there's a level of social thing that just came down now obviously like did I speak Korean I mean I speak eight words very poorly still at this point right so one of the goals that I have is to learn the Korean language and a lot of older adoptees actually had the same desire if you can talk to somebody you can communicate and you can learn things so as we've done on this podcast often we want to try to make ways people can have a conversation. And, you know, a fundamental way that you can connect with a culture or somebody different is that you can, you have some shared language, whether it's a the actual language or right. a hobby that builds the relational infrastructure that's important to connect with folks. Um, what I will say is this, as people began to share their stories, you realized that there's a continuum of where everybody's at in their journey with discovering who they are, who their birth parents are. And you're like, wow, you start to see the overlap. There's people who have had really hard growing ups and there are those who didn't. There are those who have uh, been exploring Korean culture and their identity in that regard for a long time prior, but had never been back. And some had completely, like I said, I don't want anything to do with it all over. But it was a community. And so when people talk about family gatherings, now Josh has seen probably like little bits of my family gatherings. And right. we were kind of sparse in the Shun household anyway. <laughs> right, right. And so family gatherings were even sparser. But this felt more like the community that I always knew or like, like they felt like almost immediate friends because we, there was no like pretense about what you're talking about. Right? You could go and talk to somebody. It's like, say, when were you adopted? Right. There's automatic things that you could just start talking about because you knew you shared the experience. And I'm just going to pause saying that and let Josh kind of jump in a little bit here, because otherwise I'll just it'll be a Brian monologue.
1: It's just what I wanted, though. I wanted Brian to kind of download his thoughts and kind of. uh, Like his first experiences, and he did so. I don't know what I really had thought I planned, but I just was kind of like, okay, what what is it like? And well, this is the first time also that Brian and I have really talked since he came back. We did have a short uh, conversation on the phone just to prove that Brian was still alive. And still alive. Yeah, he's still, and he's back. That was the whole thing. He's back, and he's alive, and let's record. And that was like, was that, Saturday? Or Friday, know, something like that? Yep. So like three or four days ago. So I just wanted to... And I, part of me really wanted to get Brian when he was, like, super jet-lagged and just get him on a recording. But then I'm like, you know, let's <laughs> let the guy at least kind of sleep, right? So so he's doing that. He got that going. And I um, I think you answered some of the initial questions I had. Like, what was it like? Uh, how did it feel when you landed? I know you're probably tired. Uh, did you mm-hmm. actually? I just want to ask this question. Did you, ever, did
0: you actually get to sleep on the plane? You know, I did this is actually the best I've ever slept on a plane. Sure. Now the bar is very low for the quality of sleep. Right. Right. But I did. And I tried to, so I would not be just completely out of whack when I got to the right, place, Right. I was tired, obviously. Thank, I'll just say, thank God for good chiropractors. When you come back to where, you know, <laughs> you can get adjusted. Cause like my head was off a little bit. Cause it was like leaning back and stuff and whatever. Um, I did sleep. Part of me also fought through just me wanting to kind of go into myself, right? To go right. be out with people. It may have taken a, a physical act of like, I have to will myself to get there because I'm so tired. But right. when I start engaging with people, that all Then it just like disappears. Like that happens
1: to me too. Like if I travel and I go like a long distance or even if I just travel, if I'm, I kind of in, become the introverted person. But if I like force myself to do something, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm glad I did this. And so I was going to ask that, like, were you glad that you like went out with people that were other adoptees? Always. So what was that experience like? Like, obviously, they they were all from all over the world. So how was that? Like, was it like just odd or was it like, oh, we're just kind of like, oh, we're just hanging out?
0: One of the most natural feeling groups of people, even though you'd never met even though that English may not be the primary fluent language of the person. Right. You just were, and you were very comfortable. And that that was the thing that was so striking. I am not one to just automatically assume that we will be friends or we will get along. Right. Right? I'll, I'll test the waters. You know, I want to see kind of how you are. And I think most people who want to have deep relationships, especially, well, I'll just say, if you're an introvert more, you're kind of gauging that more before you just start dumping everything out because not everybody wants to hear everything you have to say and just have to gauge that. This group, it was, you just kind of fell in. It was sure. a very natural feeling. And I think that was shocking for a lot of us to go, man, this is just like, this is easy.
1: So probably because not only have you had the similar experience being adopted, but because you are all there for the same reason. Yes. Which was to like rediscover stuff or at least experience something and so when you're all there and you're all open to it and there's Mm -hmm. no one there going like you know middle finger and like f you and all that kind of stuff it's like (laughs) you're not like uh, you know you're not on the side of the road somewhere down here like oh i need this help this is actually people that were there to help and like actually wanted to talk that that just opens everybody up to that
0: it was a way where we all just like oh our system could take a breath right and sometimes it was the breath that you didn't know you needed until you took it Here's a funny thing. So, Josh knows if you look at Josh and myself together standing side by side, like we are very differently sized people, right? Yeah. And and Josh can very easily point to the, uh, Brian was always like the smallest guy, generally in the school almost. And yeah, if you like look at a picture of the
1: whole school and you just look for like where you can't see anybody and then you kind of go in and
0: it's usually Brian in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I was above average height. There are right. some people taller than me. Of course. I'm telling you what, folks. If you've never been above average height in a group of people, <laughs> it, is, it, it messes with you in a great way. I'm like, oh my gosh. you know? Um, I just learned a lot by observing because what it did is it, re- it allowed me just to be in a group and not have to explain why I'm diff- why I'm different to people looking at you because you're different. Now, coming back to where I live now, I went to the grocery store and I can tell you, I can count on, I need two hands to count the number of looks I got while I was in the grocery store shopping for Christmas groceries on the Korean subway. People don't talk on the Korean subway, by the way. The only people that spoke on the Korean subway while I was there were the loud Americans. Yeah. Right.
1: I've heard that about like Japan, um, especially Tokyo, but like they don't talk on the subway. In fact, they like it to be quiet.
0: It was actually very nice. Now, a lot of people on the phones, like you, we think in the U.S., people are on their phones. The Koreans love themselves some phone time, sure. <laughs> especially in the subway. Now, I also learned part of the reason why is because of uh, culturally, they're very uh, attuned to somebody's age, right? Right. And they'll even ask the question. They're not asking you, like, are you old, old man? It's not that. They want to know how to address you so they give proper respect. Part of the reason why people aren't talking or trying to catch eye contact, like in America, you look up, you look somebody in the eyes, you talk to them. If you caught eyes with an elder and you held the gaze, it's actually disrespectful. So many people are just like trying to avoid the eye contact and they're not being rude. They're trying to be respectful, which all of a sudden the light dinged at me when I was like, you know, like rubbernecking in the subway looking at people. And there was this older lady that looked at me and I smiled at her and she kind of gave me like a scowl. And. (laughs) I was being friendly, but she probably thought, like, this young man is being disrespectful to me. And whoever you are, I'm sorry. That is not what I intended to do. But what what that did is, like, everybody just kind of moved along. There was no trash cans, really, to speak of. Very rarely. And everybody's carried the trash with them. Right? This is the U.S. Oh, here's my bag of trash. Yeah, it's on the floor. (laughs) Say hello to the ground. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I would feel fine sitting like sitting cross-legged on the floor of the subway, it was that clean. Yeah. Like they just, they, they, very, they care about their space, right? Um,
1: it's like a social contract of this communal space. Correct. Yeah.
0: I think what's important when you come into a space like that is to understand those things. So part of the, the second thing that a lot of adoptees wanted to know were culture and history things, right? What do I do if I'm coming into, into this space? You know, how do I interact? Now, what's nice is that because the, the world is so connected now, people understand if you're not culturally Korean, right? They don't necessarily expect you to be culturally Korean. Like, would they expect Josh to all of a sudden just know everything? No. So they, they understand that those are those give yeah. and take. Yeah,
1: fat white guy. Yeah. I'm not culturally <laughs> Korean at all.
0: For me, because I didn't know the and language, you, and you looked Korean which you are that took that took a little bit but (laughs) when they heard it it's like they quickly adjusted sure right and i'm gracious for them adjusting now what i also learned is that some people sometimes may be reticent to talk because if they didn't have english by competency as much as they thought they needed to like it would be almost a shame to them or their family or company correct to like not show that they were good at it and honestly i can understand that especially if the the Culturally, it's like, well, you're not representing yourself well because you don't have command of it, right? For me, and for growing up in America, it's like the like if you're trying, like that's actually the gold star, right? Screw it up, that's okay. Like let's work. That's how you learn. Yeah. Right. And that so that's kind of like a different thing. Is like there didn't have to be a specific competency for it, and I appreciated that. Now, people who have been to Korea previously in the last like 20, 25 years, especially there's been more things where there's more English translation of things. Uh, the business world runs on English a lot when you talk about international things. And so, you know, those kind of things give people, um, but there's more internationals now ever than ever coming to Korea. So there's more and more of a presence. And so it's become more, I guess, accommodative and friendly so you can navigate without having to learn hangul or learn every little thing. Like there's kind of a, different fabric and which is nice yeah so uh
1: i think you touched on a couple of things i was going to ask you um and i just wanted to know like after I, i in this episode probably run a little longer than most of our others but that's okay how did like after a while did you start feeling a little comfortable like was it during like were you like comfortable in the way that like oh i can get around um and that kind of stuff but were you like oh i could definitely come back here 100%.
0: I want this to be the first trip of many trips. And I wouldn't have said that even three months ago. Right. For the timeline for folks who are are tuning in, this all happened in less than three months where I found out about the organization, where I found out about what they even did to get the application, to get the approval, to get the flight book to go over. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It was quick. By the way, folks, uh, the other gem here is that I got to meet my foster mom, which I'll share more details in a moment. And uh, maybe we may carve it out, Josh. but yeah, I think we so, maybe
1: do that, and like we can carve that out in an entire new episode. That might so be tune in. That might we'll be really flag good. that one folks for you. Yeah.
0: I'll tell you a little bit more detail about that. There was such um, a feeling of I belonged in a way that I've never experienced before that it made me, like I said, my system kind of took a breath. And it's a wonderful feeling. if If you've never experienced that, you, sometimes you don't know until you have to do it, and then you go, oh, this is what this is like. I would feel comfortable. Seoul is also a very safe city. Sure. It has a reputation for that. Now, I have a beautiful 15-year-old daughter, right? And I would feel comfortable with her taking the public transportation anywhere around the city, which is very different than if you went to D.C. or New York. Or New
1: York or, or L.A. You know? or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Different set of considerations and different way people roll. In Korea, I felt very safe. So. Like I had to study the subway system. Now, if the subway system in Seoul is robust and wonderful, and I wish that all cities had a public transit system like Seoul, and I still had to learn like how the lines ran. Right. Right. By the let's see here, I was there nine days, and I didn't have to take much public transit while I was in the conference. But in the days following, I spent about four days doing my own thing, four and a half days. I got really comfortable with it. I take this line to this stop. And what I liked about it is that I could kind of pull myself off to the side. We got told like, which apps were useful before the conference, which was very handy <laughs> because Google Maps is not the gold standard there. It's a neighbor, is the name of the company. And they are like a big conglomerate of companies. So they had neighbor maps. Uh, Uber works, just so you know, folks. It turns into uh, Uber travel and it's a different icon. And you can hail a cab in Uber in Korea, which was very handy. Um, I could just look and nobody bothered me. And if I had asked a question, I'm sure people would, would have helped me get to where I needed to go, but I was like, okay, this is it. I go and I quietly stand and I was just, it just worked. Right. Took me a little bit longer sometimes to decode, but I eventually got there, but I didn't feel the need to have to figure it out right now or like somebody's going to take advantage of me or see weakness. So I guess that, that's something, um, you talk about in public places. If you look like a tourist in some cities, <laughs> like, like hey, we're going like, to take advantage of you. Or we're going to figure out how to charge you more money or we're going to charge, you know. And, yeah. and uh, Every city's got those stories regardless of where you are. This one, it was like they just, um, there's another person looking at their phone trying to figure something, you know, they don't know what I'm doing. And they never asked and I never volunteered the information because it just was. Um, as mundane as that may sound to people, It really was meaningful. I didn't have to stand out because I stood out naturally. I just could just be. And that's a very calming experience. Yeah. I think that's maybe a good spot to kind of leave it. Like
1: this was a calming experience overall. It was also an eye-opening experience. And I think in an episode or two, like we are going to kind of go through some of this stuff.
0: Thanks folks for listening to the first initial thoughts. Um, more episodes coming soon around this topic. Until next time, this is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum. <laughs>